This is Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend Deep Dive with Dana Carvey. Hey, Dana. Glad to be here, Conan. It's a six-part mini-series where I, Conan O'Brien, along with occasional help from my assistant, Sonam Obsessian. Hi. And my producer, Matt Gorley. Hi. Go deep into the weeds with one of my favorite comedians and friends, Dana Carvey. Enjoy. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey, Conan O'Brien here, and uh, I'm God. I'm in heaven. I'm here with uh, Dana Carvey again. Uh, I'm told this is our last mini episode together, Dana, but who fun. knows? There could be more fun for us on the way. <laughs> I've been we having monetize them. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been having so much fun. Uh, there's a lot to talk it about. It is fun. Still. You it know is. what's nice about this? These bite-sized ones is because, in a sense, uh, we could do other ones where we philosophize, but it's a it's sort of a combo of actually performing like we would if we were really goofy in the back of a car on the way to a gig. Yes, you know where you just make each other laugh with. Well, the, one of the things uh, that has been so nice about this podcast and it's been particularly nice with you is uh, just capturing what it's like to hang out with Dana Carvey and you're not one of those people that's brooding and sulking and then you go off in a room and you come up with great stuff and you perform it for 5,000 people. You're a joy to be with when we grab sushi at the same restaurant that you always make me eat sushi mm-hmm. at. Uh, we do, yeah. We go uh, to the same one the last five the same, times. Yeah, and you always say, meet me at that sushi restaurant. So I meet you there, and mm-hmm. then you tell me, you always show me, oh, you always show me where David Spade's table is. And you yeah. go like, yeah, Spade over, eats over there. And I'm like, why do you guys eat at this one sushi restaurant? <laughs> and why does Spade go over to one table and just sit there? Well, for me, I, um, I'm kind of a recluse. Like, I'm really happy at home with my wife mm-hmm. watching something cool on TV. Um, you know, I got cool snacks, cool TV. I got my guitar, you know, people, I'm what's, always, a, what's a cool snack? Well, I, got, I, got, I got cool snacks. You like, know. What, what is a cool snack? You know, just cool snacks. Like, like a pomegranate or, roll up. Uh, what is a cool you know, snack? Like, uh, you know, uh, uh, mango sorbet and maybe a couple, uh, adult beverages. You know, you know, I like a few beers. And, sure you do. Mm, <laughs> delicious yeah. friends, golden friends. The other day I asked myself for permission whether I could have another beer, and to my delight and surprise, myself said yes. <laughs> Sometimes you get lucky. So you enabled yourself. But I, this restaurant, which, should we not say the name You can of say it? the name of uh, it. It's called, well, then everyone's going to go. Okay, it's That's, a really cool place. Why on, can't they go? They can go. You they know. Know, it's called Koi, but it's right, I can walk to it from my house. What is it on, La Cienega? Yeah, La Cienega. It's very dark. There's no paparazzi there for my celebrity friends. Not like I'm getting mobbed, but... Uh, it's dark, it has really good food, it's very mellow. We usually go early, it's empty. It's very nice. We've had a couple of our show Christmas parties there. I just find mm-hmm. it, uh, we always sit in the back yeah. and um, howl like monkeys and and uh, improvise and act like fools. And then, uh, you always do point out to me like, yeah, that's where Spade sits over there. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I just love that David Spade eats at one restaurant. Even uh, Dennis Miller met Spade and I there a while back and he's eating the food and he goes, Christ sakes, Kyrie, this is the best food I've ever had. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm keeping this a secret, huh? What's the guy got to do to get a tiger roll? <laughs> is he super conservative with you, Dan- no. uh, Dennis Miller? Dennis is because he got his you know his his humor became more conservative. I don't know if he's yeah he's uh, you know Nancy Pelosi batshit crazy crazy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he says in the end of the day, Dennis says, I just, just want to keep half my money and kill the bad guys, okay? What does That's that mean? A, well, a, a strong defense and, and topped out at a 50% tax. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep half my money. Isn't everybody a little bit conservative and a little bit liberal? I mean, in other words, if there's anything about the American experiment, anything you want to conserve— then that's kind of conservative. If you do want a complete redo, top to bottom, that would be... Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. I hate myself. I'm a rich prick. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. He found out recently... He's a millionaire. ...because of... Someone found out (laughs) that he... He wrote a book, and the book sold so well that yeah. he was technically a millionaire, yeah. and people called him on it. Yeah. And then he, you, you're funny being. I hate myself. <laughs> I hate myself. I'm a rich prick. The corporate. This I used to do. I don't know if I did it before. I not on this series. I did um, Bernie Sanders as a crosswalk guard. Oh, I don't know about this. Don't one. proceed. Don't proceed. <laughs> the system's rigged. The system's rigged. Don't proceed. <laughs> hey, mister, what do they call you? Bernie. Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I never heard of you. <laughs> He's a, I think if you were on SNL now, you'd be doing a Bernie Sanders. Well, yeah. SNL's, uh, which is just different, they, Larry David really looked like Bernie Sanders. And so. You know, it's, it's strange. Yeah. The show changed that. You, 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 and uh, Phil Hartman back in in the day, you, you guys would play everybody. Yeah, and then they got into this thing of let's let's bring in Matt Damon, let's bring in um, Alec Baldwin, let's bring in they just it's different people. Uh, let's yeah. bring in Robert De Niro, and I wonder if that uh, ever pisses off the cast. I'm like, <laughs> hey, what, what are we supposed? What are we I doing? don't know. We were very lucky. I mean, I we didn't we didn't really have. That. I think Dan Aykroyd came in once and did Bob Dole, but that was about it. Yeah, I remember that. But yeah, I did. George Bush Sr. doing him, doing that way. You know, I, I've, and I, I, when I did the Seinfeld thing, we were doing four hours. No, what do you do? No. What were you doing? Just, just back it up in case Com- people don't comedians know. Comedians in cars. Right, With right. Jerry. And, and right as he's going to drop me off in the car, he goes, my favorite thing you ever did was George Bush Sr. And I go, really? Why? He goes, because it didn't sound anything like him. <laughs> <laughs> so it became like, you know, my stress puppet side of me. I do use George Bush Sr. making a list of what I'm doing in order to calm it down. So I'd be like, here, here we are. Conan needs a friend. Conan, Matt, Sonna, Dana, doing that thing, talking, Earwolf, Stitcher, Conoco, monetization. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, I We've talked about this a lot. I'm never a fan of an accurate, if an, if an impression is incredibly accurate, I get bored by it. What uh, I love right. is when people yeah. are silly putty and they stretch it out. And so yeah. you would, I remember because I was there for the whole arc of it, you started doing... <laughs> George Bush Sr. And then you came, you got to not gonna do it, not gonna do it. Yeah. But then by <clears> the <throat> end, you're going, Nagada, Nagada, Nagada. And you were like, and, yes. and I was delighted because I thought, 
you it's almost like you're gonna go insane if you don't stretch it out to the point of absurdity kevin thinks i get bored but i do think that that was such a slow build that the audience came along with me yes they did but then not gonna do it here is something that is interesting i'm gonna play this for you and the the listeners so i had bronchitis in january so i had seen paul mccartney on 60 minutes And I realized that my Paul McCartney with bronchitis was a very different Paul McCartney, and it seemed like it captured something. So I started to record that morning because I knew I was going to run out of this when Paul comes off the road and the way he talks. So should I just press play? Sure, yeah. So here it is. And it's just, it just was a, it's a once in a lifetime chance to do a more accurate Paul. And I was just riffing, not trying to be funny. John and I, you know, we had a bit of a competition, you know, it's just normal, you know, we were mates, you know, we were lads. And it was like, you know, what's he doing? You know, what do I do? You know, um, he came up with the primary, you know, I want to hold your hand, you know, give me your hand, let's hold hands, you know, to do. You know, and I had, um, I saw her standing there, you know. Um, she was just 17, a real beauty queen. And, you know, John said, well, well, hold on, let's not, you know, and you know what I mean, you know, which just like changed the whole course, you know. So we collaborated in, in songs like that, you know, a lot, you know. When John came up with, um, you know, um, I'm only sleeping, you know, I'm sleeping, everybody, leave me alone, you know. You know after that, I had Eleanor Rigby, which is like a toe tapper away. George Mod says, put violins, you know, like. You know, Beethoven or something. It's like, do, 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 do. You know, Eleanor Rigby, you know, she's got a face and a jaw, a drawer. You know, she can't find a face. Do, do, all the people looking at her face. And, you know, these were great days. You know, we had a lot of fun. But. Can I just say one thing? First of all, I love that you're obsessed with Paul for a brief time had bronchitis. So then you have to learn how to do him with bronchitis, which yes. is completely unnecessary. In a different rhythm. But hold on, hold on. I I want to get to something, but my favorite thing about about <laughs> your Paul is I know how he tries so hard to be casual about everything. Yes. So he when he references these iconic <laughs> songs, I love that he intentionally doesn't know the lyrics. You yes. know, she was just 17 and, you know, the, the beef was very lean. And you're like, no, that's not. And then doo 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 No, that wasn't it at all. And you know that's not it. I know. Like I said, these are brilliant pop masterpieces. And that's extenuating his casualness about it to yeah. the point where he's just being so face in a jaw and no nose with the faces. You know, do do Get the face in the face. You know, yesterday, where's yesterday? How about tomorrow? You know that song. So um, I'm only sleeping. Just leave me alone. No, that's not the song. <laughs> so this one was just um, me trying throughout the week. And my voice is a little raw now from screaming. But you said, who does George yeah. on one of our podcasts? Yeah. So I took it upon myself to try to find the beginnings of a George. Not saying it's perfect. This is a quick one. Here it is me in my apartment trying to think about how George Harrison's specific Voice works. John and Paul were sort of the primary songwriters of the Beatles in the early days, and I was sort of, you know, learning like an apprentice of some sort. Later on, I was very lucky to get a couple of A-sides before the band broke up, you know. 
but I really learn from John and Paul, you know, about the middle eight and certain chords and progressions and things. And then eventually, you know, maybe people would say the student became the teacher. You know, that's too cheeky, perhaps. But So you're going insane, basically, doing well, the Beatles <laughs> alone in your apartment. Yes. So what's happening in your life while you're deciding? Well, first of all, everybody's gone. My wife is gone. There's nobody there. Meaning they've left you forever. Well, they basically, well, they're tired of a guy talking to himself in the dark. But this is how you learn impressions. You listen to yourself, then you do it again, you listen to yourself. So this Ringo is not completely accurate. But hold on. I basically play for the singer. Oh, you know, God. he's up there That's singing, good. no reason me bashing around in the back. Wow. You know, I had no brothers. I never had a brother. You know, I looked around and I asked my mom, you know, where's my brother? No brothers. Whenever <laughs> I met those three lads, I go, hey, here's my brothers. I love having brothers. <laughs> that's that it. So that's really, I think that's really good. Yeah, getting better. Why? I think the George is the harder one to get. It, he's sort of the slow, careful guy. Um, Did you? He, I uh, he came by Saturday Night Live once when I was there. I was not there. And, but I, uh, sorry and to miss it. Yeah, he came by and he had, he and Lauren had uh, been having a very nice evening. Of course. And had had uh, I think George had had uh, quite a bit to drink, and he came in to the writers' mm. room and we were all stunned. You know, George Harrison walked in and. Uh, he was looking at us and he was weaving a little bit on his feet and he said, sorry, I'm uh, as pi-, he said, I'm as pissed as a newt. <laughs> I'll never forget that. He said, sorry, I'm as pissed, I'm as, as, pissed as, a newt. as a newt. And then we were like, oh my God. And he was like, why are you all staring at me? And we were all staring at him because he's yeah. George Harrison. And then there was a, you know, the piano that's in the writer's oh, room. Oh yeah. yeah. He, uh, he went and he sat at that piano and he started to play and we were like, shit. Beatles playing on this piano. And just then, as a joke, Al Franken came running out and slammed the piano shut and went, Quiet! I'm trying to work. <laughs> and then he stopped the whole thing. And, even though and he George was got scared and ah. left. And I was like, Dell! I mean, it was really funny to tell a Beatle to shut up with the music, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happened. You own a home, don't you, right? I lease down here. I have a home in Marin County. What's that? I have a home in Marin County, but I have a landlord down here in Los Angeles. You have a landlord. So you live you live in a small apartment now, a well, very a, small apartment. A town and you, home. And you pretend to do, be the Beatles all by yourself. Or in my into, car. Into your phone. <laughs> yeah, if I took that challenge, I just became really interested between the last time we saw each other. It's like, well, what does George say? like so I became very fascinated by that rhythm you know but one time I remember one time you know I've had trouble with landlords I don't this time but uh my wife and I rented a place in Malibu on the beach and our landlord I guess was Eastern European I don't know where he was from mm-hmm. but we had a $30,000 deposit and then we, we we leave and the house is perfect my wife kept it perfect and goes I keep deposit I go what <laughs> carpet is frayed little bit of pain missing I keep deposit <laughs> So then I had to get an attorney to sue him. Right. And so we do all that. And he's like, okay, you can have $30,000. No hard feelings. I tried to get, but you got it. Not the problem. <laughs> it was just completely I cult- love that. cultural. Yeah, it was just like you have to, you can't blame a guy for trying. Yeah, I try to get money. It's the way we barter. It's part of culture. <laughs> I, your money, I try to get. If you get, I'm not mad. I just, you got the money. That's uh, all. No hard feelings. Like on this podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> you get in laugh, I get in laugh. You get in laugh, it's great. I try to get in laugh. Uh, you get in laugh, happy for you. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so, literally, she he wants did, me to talk. Did about he Avatar. fold? Did he fold the minute? The minute you? Yes, the minute we put pressure. All right, all right. Here's thirty thousand dollars. Not no problem. Just I didn't know you'd fight back. I, I tried a chance. I tried to steal. <laughs> well, because what if you say not worth it? Maybe you. I saw Wayne's World movie. Maybe you have so much money. You're like fuck it. You can have it. I don't want to fight it. <laughs> All of a sudden, I see an army of attorneys come at me. I'm like, okay, you have money. I don't need it. No hard feelings. <laughs> I tried to take your money, but I never tried to take your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. What's that he, guy's name? Brosnazik Luko. <laughs> Now, Sony, you're laughing real hard over there. What's going on? I know this guy. You know this guy, don't you? I do. Do you think he could potentially be someone that you know? Uh, What are you trying to say? Uh, No, no. What I'm saying is you come from a thriving Armenian culture. Okay. But that's clearly not Armenian. No, he's not Armenian. I didn't want to give it a country. He might have been Russian. He might have been Bulgarian. sounds very But Sona was laughing really really hard. Because he's right. It is cultural. I think that if they see an Mm -hmm. opportunity and they're like, why don't I just hold on to it? And then if he shows a bit of a fight, they're like, ah, never mind. It's not worth it. I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I find that the fascination with dialects, because, you know, a long time ago, we didn't have any language across the planet. So everyone was grunting, you know, for water. And then I was on the plains of France. At some point, some cave guy started to evolve that French dialect. Mm -hmm. You know, how did that, you know, trying to point them to water. (laughs) So it's a cultural thing. It came from you stupid idiots. Look at the water. You can't even drink some water. And the Liverpudlians were always very curious people because everything sounds like a question. Yes, you, yes. If you want to do Liverpool, did, did, you, did you go to the store? I told you. I went <laughs> to the store. <laughs> well, you don't sound sure. I just told you. I went to the store. <laughs> You can't sound humble with a French accent. No, you can't. I am not a very important person. <laughs> you can't. So there's something cultural in the same I try, I try to take your cattle, your sheep, your wife, your property. But if you want it, I give back. No hard feelings. I try to strap everything from you. But I give back. No hard feelings. <laughs> Conan, this is George W. Bush. Who does your hair? <laughs> Stupid cuts. <laughs> Just non sequiturs that uh-huh. mean nothing to life. Well, please, they're the mm. best. They're the best. Um, the best. She wanted to hear. Did I do my avocado bit? It's not really a bit. I don't think so, but it but just she says avocado. I want to hear what it is. In the middle of my notes, it just intrigued. says avocado. On your notes, yeah. it says avocado, and Sona wants, you know, Sona's is, hungry. She wants is, to hear about avocado. That is when I most feel like a first world prick, is when I'm at, a, you know, a big grocery store, and there's a wall of avocados, and I'm really getting mad that they're not ripe. You know, <laughs> God damn it. And there's like a thousand avocado, God, avocado, stupid, I'm ripe, you know. 
And then you go up to the front and they go, would you like to help the children today? You ever get that one when you're at the cashier? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Everyone's yeah. looking. How are you supposed to answer that? No, not really. <laughs> not, not today. Not today. Why do they need so much help? Yeah. <laughs> and we're from another time. Does it? Do you carry your little... You know, Whole Foods bag because I don't have the biodegradable bag, so they always go, "Would you like a bag?" And, and then I you got to go, buy it new every time. And I go, "Look, I, no, I don't need a bag. I used to be a juggler. I'll just take my 19 <laughs> items and get to the car. I need a bag." And, and then it's like the groceries are 98 dollars, and they're arguing over how many bags is he getting? I don't know. Could be two. It's 20 cents versus nine. You know, he's going for three. He's going for three bags. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> you bought 140 dollars. Which is 40 avocados. Nine avocados at Whole Foods. You know, um, people now are complaining. My wife today was complaining about Whole Foods and saying, oh, ever since Amazon got it, I don't know. It's not the same old Whole Foods. And I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean? It's still got almond milk and oat milk and stuff that I shouldn't know. be milk. What's the, what, what is, what is, I don't know that, yeah, but I talk about white people problems. That is something that a certain kind of white person is complaining about these days, which is, it's not the same Whole Foods since Amazon bought it. I'll see a group of young, attractive people with smartphones, with their Starbucks out in the street. It's just like the world is so stupid. And I hate, it's so dark. It's so stupid. God damn it. <laughs> Am I doing AOC? I don't even know. I don't know. The world man. is, we have 12 years and cows are farting and planes are bad. It's like a cottage industry to me. If you think of uh, the, the channels on the left and Fox News, how they'll just show clips of the other show. There should be just the, each channel. We just show Sean Hannity and they just show Rachel Maddow. Like the entire hour is just, can you believe what they said? Let's take a look. And it'll, let's take a 55 minute look at what Rachel Maddow did. <laughs> I think they show. hang out. Don't they hang out? at a bar all you know Anderson Cooper and Tucker Carlson (laughs) (laughs) you always know Tucker Carlson thinks he's landed a point when he giggles at the end Uh well he says completely stupid (laughs) (laughs) he's a leprechaun that found some gold well he's like a leprechaun how could it do okay I'll let you guys pick either uh, talk a box or talk a box godfather or what's talk a box that was that Talk-a-box is basically, in the essence, about how the testosterone-driven male will always, uh, you know, take new technology and pervert it. <laughs> so probably the first telegraph was like, to send medicine to Dodge City. The second one was, what are you wearing? So, and obviously Anthony Weiner would have had no capacity to take dick pics if that technology, he would have just been a guy naked with a raincoat in Central Park. We opened right. it. <laughs> so then I thought phones essentially came into the home maybe around 1910. There might be one in the house. And I yeah. thought the man paw, the, you know, the frontier man would go to town. And maybe at one point, some man decided to attempt phone sex with his frontier wife back at the house. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's kind of like, hello, Ma. Oh, wait, first of all. Operator, get me line of 4775. <laughs> hello, Ma, it's Pa. Pa, what are you doing calling me jibber-jabbing for no such reason? I got 17 kids to attend to. I knew these old-fangled tucker boxes would be up to no good. <laughs> well, well, Ma, uh, these uh, these tucker boxes are kind of fun. See, I'm at the five and dime, and I uh, had a sarsaparilla. <laughs> pa, what are you jibber-jabbing about? <laughs> well, Ma, there was a lady mannequin in the window. <laughs> cares about a lady mannequin in the window, Paul. Well, uh, the lady mannequin was wearing nothing but her under things. <laughs> and got a man a thinking, Ma. <laughs> thinking about what? 
<laughs> well, I wonder what kind of underpanties you got on today. You want to know about my underpanties? Well, you have on those Carter Spanky briefs or those calico print pantaloons I got you in Dodge City last year. Paul, you've lost your mind. Now bring back the bacon and the eggs and the beans. Get your bottom here as soon as possible. Well, no, no worry, Ma. While you're on your high horse, I satisfy myself right here in this <laughs> newfangled tackle box. And scene. And curtain down. Ladies and gentlemen. I love that. <laughs> well, so the ones that make me happier got a man of thinking. Got a man of thinking. And the Carter Spanky briefs are those calico print pantaloons I got you in Dodge <laughs> City last year. So those two things make my brain happy. And uh, she was in no way aroused. I love that. That was the part I liked. Didn't get it at all. Yeah. Oh, you and your crumpling. My crumply dumply umpling. Um, there's other ones. Godfather. Yeah, what's the Godfather all about? Godfather was... Because I got a couple extra dollars, and I'm happy to do it. But I have an extended family that if someone needs help, I'm there to help, which I'm happy to do it. I'm not a materialist. I have extra money. America was good to probably, me. Probably a little resentful, but we'll explore that on another <laughs> show. <laughs> so my wife one time quipped, hey, you're like the godfather. So it was like, um, you know, so then I just, okay, what can I do for you, my son? A godfather, uh, we live in a Sherman Oaks. Uh, we'd like to uh, add a newer bathroom to our house. <laughs> Bathrooms can be very expensive. <laughs> uh, we'd like a hardwood floor, a dual vanities, a clawfoot tub, and a steamy shower. That sounds very expensive. Here's what I'm prepared to do. I'll get your hardwood floor, a single vanity, you keep your tub, no steam shower. Now get out of my sight. <laughs> Thank you, godfather! <laughs> <laughs> I well, love that that guy lives in Sherman Oaks, too. Okay, bring in the next one. A Godfather, we have a grand of children. We want to take them to Lake Tahoe, but we got no watercraft. Oh, kids like boats. <laughs> <laughs> we think of buy a wave runner. How expensive is a wave runner? $12,000. That's very expensive. Here's what I'm prepared to do. <laughs> It gets you a rubber dinghy, you get a bungee cord, an inner tube, you paddle, kids will have fun, they'll get out of my sight. <laughs> Dang, you godfather! Last one. Okay. Hey, godfather, uh, our daughters, we try to get them into USC, but nobody takes their applications. Uh, you help me out with a bambino problem, I can help you out. Uh, do they do a sport? Uh, they don't do the athletics, the Godfather. Please, we got to get them into USC. Um, let's pretend they're rowers. Put them on the machine, take a picture. <laughs> I know a guy who knows a guy. I give maybe three, five hundred thousand to grease the palm and the kids are going to the USC. Dang, you Why are these Italian immigrants? <laughs> they have such sophisticated needs. Why? They, well, why do they have Italian accents? I don't know. I don't know. It's, I love it. I love it. It's but the stuff that, yeah. The stuff that makes your brain happy. It makes me very I want happy. everybody to think about it. Because remember when I did your show, I got Andy to laugh really hard at Jimmy Carter going insane. Because oh, really? I talk about all the presidents going insane, uh-huh. and now Jimmy Carter had a nervous breakdown right at the end of his presidency, uh-huh, and he uh-huh. literally is a peanut butter farmer, yeah. so he had a vat of peanut butter, and he smeared it on his head, <laughs> and he would walk around. And he's around. upset that he lost the election. He lost he only the got election, one yeah, and so he, he, he just went a little ballistic the last few months, and he would rub it on his head and wander around the White House at night, and the staff would go, are you okay, Mr. President? Uh, I'm okay, I'm okay. Well, you got peanut butter on your hair. No, I don't, no, I don't. I don't got peanut butter on my hair, I got peanut butter hair, I got peanut butter. <laughs> 
<laughs> Are you okay, sir? I'm fine with my peanut butter hair. I'm a peanut butter man, you know. I'm a peanut butter president and a peanut butter man. I got a peanut butter tie, a peanut butter belt, peanut butter pants, and peanut butter shoes. I drive a peanut butter car, a peanut butter car. I brush with a peanut butter peanut butter brush. A peanut butter man, a peanut butter car, a peanut butter. So that was. Some... <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I know. I like, and it, it's uh, and so was this this again? If I were to knock on your door, let's say I was to walk up to your door in your apartment here well, in Los Angeles. Yes. And you were there alone. Is this what would I be hearing? You, like peanut butter man. Peanut well, this can't. So everyone doesn't think I'm insane. I was in Dallas going down to play Houston. All the presidents were there for some big event. And so I had a flight of fancy that they would just ditch Jimmy Carter. So it was the idea of Bush Sr., Jr., Obama, and W are in the room, you know, and it's like, hey, you guys, uh, this is Jimmy Carter. Can I come in? You're like, hey, stay quiet. <laughs> well, that's, that's okay, Jimmy. Nothing's going on in here. You don't want to come in. Yeah. Well, I'd like to come in if I, I'd like to come in and hang out with you guys. Well, uh, we'll be out in a bit. We're just kind of <laughs> cruising down here, having fun. Yeah, we're just, uh, we're, uh, we're uh, drawing up a map of the Middle East or something. <laughs> yep, we can. We don't have the time to get you in here. Remember another time. We can't do it now. So that was where Jimmy Carter came from, and then I had him ner- having a nervous breakdown. This is the uh, final episode, final episode of our six miniseries run with Dana Carvey and uh, experimental. I don't know about you. I um, this is just a blast for me. This is a. Bl- I hope you're having fun. Oh, totally. I. You know, um, when I you know because it was six episodes, I'm like, will we run out? But I, I know that it's it's a bottom, run out bottomless pit. It's uh, yes. especially with looping around and coming around and where, there, where there's real. a bottomless pit of need, there's a bottomless pit of comedy. <laughs> That's something I found out about myself a long time ago, and I think mm. it applies to both of us. Can't we ever declare victory and just no. sit on top of the mountain? No, no, we have to be quasi tortured our whole. Yes, we do. Really? That's the one thing therapists don't get. Therapists are like, you can be happy and still be funny. I'm Mm. out of here, and I'm not paying you anymore. I feel like I have such a reservoir of neuroses and, you know, anger and sadness that needs to be filtered through the comedy that Mm -hmm. I'd like to be a little happier because it's it's a massive reservoir. Yeah. I could never run out. So I'd like to get like 30% happier. The good part is the part of that I struggle with in life is that I don't blame you. I've never thought to myself, this is really Conan's fault, my problems. That's nice. I've never thought to blame you. I mean, I don't know why you would in the first place. I be a just, random pick. But I just want to let you know, I have never thought, it's Conan. It's Conan. <laughs> he's it. Yeah, that's it. He's the one. <laughs> yeah, he's What's not. your name, mister? What's your name? Conan. Conan O'Brien. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Wait, you're a guy with a podcast. I had a show first, and I still have the show. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap this up, but let's thank see. You. Da- thank Dana, you, Conan. Dana. Thank you, sincerely. Thank you. Uh, and I sincerely really thank you for uh, for doing this. This is, if you asked me uh, at, at any time in the last 20 years of my life, well, what would you most like to do? I might say, hey, what about a situation where I'm in a room with Dana and we have microphones <laughs> and a, I just get to have the time of my life with him? So God bless it, Dana Carvey and I, uh, let's uh, maybe in the I future will, there's a chance for us to do more. I'm grateful that this platform exists so that people, if if they care, they're listening in and seeing us more organically being the way we are. And yeah. I think that's really a gift. 
That's sincerity. the best part. Yeah. So it's. I it's like really that, fun. and I like the fact that there's really good sushi about a five minute walk from where we're taping this right now. Every time I do comedy with you, there's usually a meal component. Even if I've and already, even if I ate a half a ham right before I came, <laughs> you can't do it on Coney. Get so sad eyes. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna wrap it up there. You know, I was like, kidding. He was I always like brilliant. This nice guy and his ideas. All right, Dana Carvey. I'll see you soon. See you soon. La di da. Conan O'Brien needs a friend with Sonam Obsession and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Special thanks to Jack White for the theme song. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blayert and the show is engineered by Will Beckton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It too could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.